With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is Brandon Phoenix, a.k.a. I also hate Pitt, joined by my brother, Jeremy J.N. Fiend Phoenix. We are the Raspy Voice Kids. We do the Raspy Voice Kids podcast. If you love West Virginia University, you will love our podcast. If you don't care about West Virginia University, you will love our pop culture segment. It begins every single episode. You can join in the fun anytime, anyplace. Get at your boys. Welcome back to the Rock Chalk Podcast. I am your host, Andy Mitz. Today we are continuing our opponent preview series. We are all the way up to week five now. Uh, that means it is Iowa State and the Kansas Jayhawks are, will be looking to get a little bit of revenge from last season. We'll see if that's even a possibility considering how bad they got completely demolished last year. I made the mistake of deciding to go up there and actually watch the game with the guest that is here on the podcast today. You guys know him well. Um, he's had some of the longest episodes we've had here on the podcast, which probably isn't saying much. I'm sure he has a lot longer ones over on his. But it is Levi Stevenson, uh, one of the editors over at Wide Right Natty Light um, and all the other stuff that he does over there. Levi, how you doing today? Good. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. So obviously we're here to talk about Iowa State. Um, but we would be remiss if we didn't start with the big story right now because it's going to affect Iowa yeah. State and Kansas and everybody in the Big 12 uh, with the realignment, that you know, <laughs> USC and UCLA. And I kind of talked a little bit about it in last week's preview with the guy from Duke um, because it is going to affect everybody. But um, let's go ahead and get that out of the way. General thoughts from what you've been hearing, you know, it sounds like they are or there's at least the potential that the Big 12 could expand yet again, which would not be surprising. I think we were kind of expecting that kind of stuff to happen. But um, so to kind of, you know, drag it into the whole preview process. Do you think that all of the news is coming out and all of the craziness and posturing that's happening right now is going to have any effect at all on this season? I don't really see. It. I mean, most of the time, and most of the time, honestly, you hear about like coaching staffs don't hear about realignment stuff until like after it already happens. Like they're like, they're so far out of the loop with all this um, that, I mean, they're probably they're I can't imagine they're paying a lot of attention to it. Um, and I mean, the players probably will because they'll be on social media and stuff like that. But coaches and things like that, they're not they're not changing how they do things. Players aren't changing how they do things. None of that. Uh, just because just because all this stuff is going on. Um, it's an interesting storyline for us to talk, talk in the offseason, but I don't, I don't see how it affects this season Yeah, it, I in mean, any way. It, it could potentially add some extra urgency for you know teams that think that maybe down the line they have an opportunity to move from one conference to another, whether that's the Big 12 poaching other, you know, other schools from, say, the Pac-12 or teams like Iowa State or Kansas trying to position themselves as well as possible for when the next round of realignment comes. But... I don't think it, it changes the calculus of any of it. It just makes it much more important to do everything you possibly can right now to get your program in as good of a situation as possible. So it doesn't change it for Kansas. I don't think it changes for Iowa State at all. Um, most of this stuff has not changed. And when the Big Ten and SEC decide to go I to 24 maybe, or 30. I think maybe the only thing that it changes this season is it gives everybody else besides Texas and Oklahoma fans reason to root for each other when playing against Oklahoma and Texas. Uh, like, I mean, not that we don't ordinarily, but like the best thing that could possibly happen for the rest of the big 12, that's not Oklahoma and Texas over the next couple of years is to put as many people in the, t as many teams in the championship game as possible that are not Oklahoma and Texas. If you can go the next two years and somebody wins the big 12, that's not Oklahoma or Texas. That's a massive win. Yeah. A massive win. Like if, if you can somehow make Oklahoma and Texas in the bottom half of the conference, like that is huge. I don't think Even I don't think Texas is that far from so, falling down that far. Oklahoma, it'll, it, Oklahoma will take take quite a few upsets to get there. But yeah, I think Oklahoma could potentially get there this year just while they're trying to readjust everything. And depending on how well yeah. the Brent Venables, you know, culture change happens. But yeah, who knows? But it's also that's, kinda, that takes a while. Yeah, it's also kind of one of those things 
Like, I mean, there's a lot of change in Oklahoma. I could see them yeah. falling off. Yeah, definitely. Um, so it's really just a matter of how well everybody else steps up and how, you know, how good all of those, um, like all the, all the synergy inside of those programs are. And if teams like Kansas can jump up and surprise some people, look, they almost got Oklahoma last year. They got Texas last year. So, um, you know, if, if Kansas could pull off that sweep of Oklahoma and Texas, that would be absolutely phenomenal and would do a whole bunch, I think, to get everybody really, really happy. Not that I'm saying it's going to happen or that yeah. I even think it's likely to happen that they get both of them, but I wouldn't be shocked if they got one of them. And, and Iowa State, I think, is in a good position I mean, to te- get a bunch Texas of them is, too. Texas's mediocre quarterback play away from missing another bowl game. I mean, I mean, oh yeah. They, I mean, they, they, they should be like, in theory, they could be a little better because they've got good skill positions and things like that, but the offensive line's a weakness and they have a, a new quarterback that has never started in college. So, it's kind of not only that, but that quarterback has extra added pressure now that Archie Manning is coming next year. He's like, he's got to show out this year. He has to to, to yeah. make sure he can. Keep his he's job. going to lose his job. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, all right. right. So let's go ahead and jump over to Iowa State specifically because a lot of stuff has changed. You know, Brock Purdy going as Mister Irrelevant in the NFL draft and then signing on. You know, so they they're without the the quarterback that they've had for the last few years. Um, you know, obviously running back and Brees Hall has gone off to the NFL as well. So, um, you know, who are the other kind of big guys that Iowa State is going to miss? And then who do they have to kind of fill in those particular spots? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> the other main guys on offense would be Chase Allen and Charlie Kohler. They're the two tight ends that have been there forever um, and, and really helped pioneer kind of this new era of Iowa State having good tight ends. Um, but the... Uh, Probably the biggest brunt of losses will be noticed on defense. Um, there'll be a lot more no- a lot more names that other fan bases won't recognize because they've been used to hearing Greg Eisworth and Mike Rose and and Jake Hummel and all these guys. They've been used to in, used to hearing those names. And I shame Young. Uh, you'll be they were used to hearing those names for the last however many years, and now those names are gone. Um, you still have Will McDonald, uh, you know, which is the biggest piece on that defense. You still have Anthony Johnson. You still got a Ryan Vance's. There's still lots of nice Bo Freeler. Lots of nice pieces on that defense, but there's there's a lot of new names there too that um, the outside world isn't going to be as familiar with for for the first time in quite a while, both on offense and defense. Um, and I think it's a good thing because I would say because I would say it's recruiting has definitely ticked up during the Matt Campbell era, and it's continued to rise as as we've been going on and um, been able to see the re- reap some of the uh, reap some of the rewards of of Iowa State's improved football program. Um, so, you know, I'm, like I said, you're missing, you're missing some of the guys that, that were there for a long time. Mike Rose played for four years in a row, never missed a game, never missed a start, started from day one of his true freshman year and played every single game since then. Um, and, you know, uh, Greg Eisworth played a ton of snaps at Iowa State, even for being a, Ju- being a Juco guy, played four years at Iowa State. Um, and Annie Wazirike played a long time at Iowa State, you know, uh, those guys, but you know, it's a, it's an interesting, it's, it's, it's kind of a, we're going to find out if it's a rebuilding year or if it's a reloading year. Yeah. I mean, so, so obviously um, Hunter Deckers, I believe Hunter's his first name the, right. is the yep. new quarterback. Yep. Um, you know, Brees Hall's not there. Who steps up to be the main running back? Cause I think most Kansas fans and most big 12 fans are used to Iowa state having a really good running back. That seems to be the one position that pretty much everybody in the conference has nailed down for whatever reason. <laughs> like they have one or yeah. two really good running backs, but right. um, you know, it's, it's been kind of weird. Conference so, now. <laughs> yeah. It's really, really strange. You know, the big 12 who, who pioneered the spread offense somehow now has some of the best running backs running in, the entire in defense. Nation, so. yeah, now we're, now we're running a defense conference. Funny um, time is a flat circle. Anyway. Yeah, um, so, so who running back wise are you expecting to be the main guys for the team this year? Now that priest hall is no longer there. Um, it, I, kind of like 2019 we're going to start out we'll see a running back by committee um Jarrell Brock is kind of the the kind of the foregone leader for, at the moment he was the other four-star running back that came in with Brees Hall in that recruiting class just you know sat behind Brees Hall um not much you can not much he can do about that um you know so he's he's kind of the, the presumptive number one and there's lots of reasons to believe that he will be very good um but you know there's there's guys behind him that have gotten playing time um, and have, have done really well with that playing. Deion Silas is a guy that was a true freshman last year. Uh, or sorry, he was a true freshman two years ago, redshirt freshman last year. Um, and, uh, or no, no, he was a true freshman last year. Um, and got, um, 
got some good playing time in, in, in his four games and, and looked really good. He's really quick, uh, smaller guy. Honestly, I hate to make this comparison, kind of like a Deuce Vaughn type of guy. Um, you know, that kind of guy, really quick, shifty in space, um, stronger than you think, um, but definitely a pretty pretty small guy, agile guy. Um, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with making the comparison. Obviously, just realizing that I just the, don't like I just don't like Kansas State. That's well, that's really well, <laughs> well, it's it's not, it's not only Who that, does? but like you can have the same skill set as somebody, but not be able to do it as well as that person. Right, so right. Like, Deuce no, Vaughn. That, that, you know what's funny right. though is that brings up a, a a tremendous annoyance of me on social media is people's lack of ability to understand what player comps are. Right. If I tell you that that Brock Purdy plays a lot like Russell Wilson, I'm not telling you that he's Russell Wilson. I'm telling you he plays like Russell right. Wilson. The, the style is the same. The right. way that the they approach the game the is similar. Yes. Obviously, Russell Wilson has been doing it at a very, very high level much, right. much longer he's than very Brock Purdy. Good. <laughs> Nobody's saying that Brock Purdy is Russell Wilson. But if you had to describe what kind of player he is and what he plays like, Russell Wilson's a pretty good describer of what Brock Purdy plays like. So it's like – or something or – something, or like saying that uh, – that Brees Hall is a lot like Corey Dillon or something like that. We don't know if he, I mean, Corey Dillon was really good. He's kind of one of those lost names in the NFL. He's really, he was yeah. really good for a long time. Um, but like nobody's saying that Brees Hall is going to be as good as Corey Dillon, but he runs a lot like Corey Dillon did or something. You know, it's just stuff like that. That's, that's been a minor annoyance of mine for a long, long time is I, I make these player comps to help people understand players. And they just like, oh, you're saying he's Russell Wilson. Well, that's absurd. Like, I was like, nope, didn't say that. <laughs> Didn't say that. That's, anyways, anyways, that's so, the that's the importance of knowing how to talk intelligently about football. <laughs> well, and and there's so. and there's layers to doing the player comps too, because as the as your as your knowledge the knowledge base of your per the person you're talking to goes up, the more obscure and specific and precise you can get with your player comps. If I'm talking to an average person that just kind of watches a little bit of NFL casually, Russell Wilson is a name they're probably going to know. Right. So if Russell Wilson is an easy person to comp to. Is an is a more accurate comparison Chase Daniel, probably probably yeah. Um, but <laughs> less people are going to know who Chase Daniel is, so that's that's kind of that. Um, but anyways, uh, another running back that got more carry that carried got carries in his redshirt games last year was Eli Sanders. Um, kind of a, a typical more a more typical the way you see it. I would say which is kind of the uh, running uh, a one cut guy, um, and he's got good top end speed. Definitely a, a speedster guy. But the the dark horse that has shown up kind of out of nowhere in spring practice, I got to watch him because Iowa State held a couple open spring practices, um, and I got to watch him. And I was Im- and you could immediately he immediately jumped right off the film. You could see him and pay attention to him right away. Um, his name is Cartevius Norton. Uh, he's a true freshman running back. He's good. He's really good. He's got he's got he's got work to do um, in the in the passing game. I don't think the, you'll see him a lot on the third down um, early in his career. Um, but the kid can run. He's quick. He's good in space. He's physical. He's he's a, he's a guy to watch for for a hundred percent. I don't know if he's going to only play redshirt games this year. If you know if Jarrell Brock is good, I don't see any reason you burn the redshirt on on Norton um, or or if Deion Silas or uh, Eli Sanders are good. There's no reason to burn the redshirt on Cartevius Norton. But it's not it's not out at all at all out of the question that he could see himself rise up far enough in the depth chart to get to get good carries. Um, that's that's so that's kind of where it's at right now. Um, there's four very good running backs that if any of them start, you're comfortable with it, you're good with it. Um, but that's going to be probably a little bit by committee to start with, rather than having the 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 workhorse back that you guys are used to seeing from Iowa State, where it's just one dude getting 30 carries a game type of thing. Yeah, and it's one of those things like it's it's always interesting to talk to other Big 12 fans about like which running back rooms are the best, right? Because normally if you have a one really good running back. It's like, oh, well, you have the best running back position. It's like, no, you can have one really good running back, but there is no way that that player is going to be on the field the entire game. Um, right. You know, and there's no way he's going to be the only running back on the field anyway. Like, there's going to be times where you have two running back sets. You're going to have full backs. You're going to have, you know, tight ends that come in and play, um, you know, as backs. You're going to have all kinds of stuff like that. Um, and so it's one of those things where, you know, it's, it's almost better when you're looking at a scheme-wise to, you know, have not have that one super good standout guy and then a bunch of, you know, other players on the roster. Um, it's much better to, I think, have, you know, three or four quality starting backs who you definitely want to have, you want, you definitely want to have options. Yeah. No doubt about that. I think there's, there's something, I mean, obviously Iowa State made the one dude gets 90% of the carries thing work quite yeah. a bit for them the last 
five years or so with Dave Montgomery and then Brees Hall. Um, but there, there definitely is value to having depth. There was times Brees Hall didn't have to play because he could take a breather and Eli Sanders or Deion Silas or Jarrell Brock can come in and, and take some carries from, you know, and take some carries. But Brees Hall still did get a vast, vast majority of the character of the carries because he was super durable. You can just keep running him and running him and running him. And he gets strong. Well, and there's also the game a difference in the way you have to play, right? Like, if, yeah, if yeah. You're and, that's, play, and that's the thing is that you ha- is yeah. a, Iowa State has a scheme that's designed to be able to protect its quarterback and its running back, so they so they don't build up lots of injuries. They're not running. It's kind of like um, Texas has kind of the opposite problem. The right. way that they're the way their blocking scheme is, you're basically asking running backs to to make really really sharp cuts and start running through people and stuff like that. And it, it, Which it, is why it they've gone through up, so many. <laughs> right. It opens up it opens up them to get hurt all the time because that's the way their scheme is set up. Iowa State's blocking scheme, while you know, while the offensive line is hit or miss a lot of times, you don't see a lot of big time injuries on especially with with the skill position players at Iowa State because the scheme does a really good job at, prote- at protecting them. Yeah, for sure. All right. So jumping to the rest of the offense here, um, you know, wide receiver, typically, I think one of the biggest things that you usually will hear about way of criticism of the Iowa State wide receiver core is that Xavier Hutchinson is really the only deep threat, like the only guy that you expect to, co- to, to burn you deep. Um, and, and so teams can kind of take away from that. And so Iowa State has had to play kind of a short passing game a lot more. Than, than they may necessarily want to. Has that changed at all this year? Do they have more deep threats? Or, or are you expecting them to kind of stick to that same formula of, you know, get the tight end super involved, you know, short throws, and you try to get some good blocking downfield or something like that? So I think it's kind of it's kind of an interesting thing as to why Iowa State's passing game has been fairly condensed for a long time. Um, partially because I made, I made this comparison with Xavier Hutchinson when he came out of Hutchinson Community College, and I'm – very proud of that because I think it's I think it's held up extremely well. Is I compared him to just, to Justin Blackman when he came out of community college. He's just a guy. He's he's a little bit taller. He's got he's just a good, well rounded dude. He's just really good at getting open and making catches and making plays. That's just that's just what he is. He's an exceptional route runner with great hands. And that and that uh, that comparison has held up really well. I'm pretty proud of that one. Um, but he, he's been he's been he's been that. Um, he's been he's been a deep threat at times. A lot of times he's almost more of a threat after the catch than he is like on as far as on like a, on like a on a go route or something like that. And part of it is we kind of thought that Tariq Milton was going to be that was going to be that guy that was just going to take the top off of defenses. Um, and he's just been he just had a lot of problems with inconsistency and uh, and injuries throughout his Iowa State career. Now he's at Texas, but kind of mostly as a depth piece right now. Um, but he but. It just never he just never panned out as a as a consistent home run threat like they kind of thought he would. Um just like I said, through consistency and injuries and things like that. And part of it too is that, you know, when you have I would say it was a little bit of a victim of their own personnel at times. Um, because when you have as many good tight ends as I would say this had, Charlie Kohler and Chase Allen, you want to use them because they're really, right. really good. They're really good at what you do. And if you're throwing deep all the time, that you're not you're not throwing deep the tight ends most of the time. And yeah, I mean, Iowa State is probably the only team I can think of that would routinely use three tight end sets. Like, yeah. I mean, when you have that many tight ends, you're right. Like, you use them, but that condenses the passing game um, because, you know, teams are going to have two or three players deep anyway every single time. So right. if you have, you know, a guy for each potential deep threat that you have that can just sit on those guys, like, it's a lot harder to get those deep throws. So, right. I mean, and, and, you does, know, they were good, they they were change, good at though? scheming. They were good at scheming team tight tight ends open at you know ten to fifteen yards downfield, but it just it doesn't push the ball downfield. Right. However, we're in a little bit different era now because the roster's built a little bit differently. They still I would say it still has some good tight ends in the roster. Deshaun Hanica, Easton Dean, uh, Easton Dean's from he's from Kansas. I can't what the hell? Let me see. From Oswego. Yeah. He is from is he from Oswego? Yep. Labatt County. Yep. 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 Um, couple good couple good tight ends there. I don't know. They don't have the same volume of tight ends where you're like in, where they you really want to play two or three of them at all times just because those are your best players. It's not like that anymore. You have Xavier Hutchinson, Jalen Knoll uh, from Kansas City um, or from the Kansas City area um, has um, he had, had a really nice year as a, as a as a freshman last year, and he's kind of the guy that he's the, he's got the he's got the kind of the guy that's got the staff really excited for his development going forward. Um, I don't know if you remember a receiver that played Dallas. His name was Deshante Jones. Um, played yeah. for a while, caught a bunch of touchdowns. Um, kind of a slot guy, do everything slot guy. Um, you know, Jalen Noel can be that. I think he's a little bit more athletic than Deshante was. 
Um, but he's he's that kind of that guy, just really good at getting open, you know, classic slot guy basically. Um, and I think he can be the, but he's I think he'll they'll probably play him a little bit on the outside too, and just kind of work him into more slotty type routes. Um, and you've got a couple other guys. Um, they have a chance to really step up too. There's a true freshman uh, named Greg Gaines, four star out of Florida. Um, I think he's going to get a lot of playing time this year. I think he'll, I think I think they'll burn his red shirt. I think they'll play him almost every game. He's an extremely talented guy. He's got good speed. He can definitely be a deep threat um, if they if um, if they want him to be. And they've still got other guys too. Darren Wilson is still here, amazingly. Um, he uh, he'll or wait, is he? Yes, he is. Um, yeah. He, he's a he's a kind of a speedster guy. He's you know got a chance if he's he can finally put it together, he can be a really nice player. Um, one guy that is interesting, I don't, I'm not sure how much he's going to play early on, but as far as deep threat, home run threat kind of guy, one guy to remember for the future. His name is Cole Ron Adams. He's from Arizona. Uh, went to Chandler or in the Phoenix area. He's only he's only five seven, one sixty five. Yeah, that's crazy. But, like you look but, at his measurables. <laughs> I'm I'm. I'm don't think I've ever seen a faster player on tape than him. I mean, I'm talking like, uh, and I, I promise you, I'm not exaggerating when I say this. I'm talking like Tavon Austin speed. He is crazy fast. And he was, he was a running back in high school. Um, but they're going to, they're moving him out to receiver. He's got to work on it. He's got to work on his route running and he's got to get, get his shortest hands up. But if he can get that, all the, if he can get that together and get his route running together and get and get his hands in order, He's got to play a chance to be a big time playmaker at Iowa State. Um, I don't know if that's this year. I don't know if it's a couple of years down the road, but that's a guy that to keep watching. But the guy, the guy, the kind of the new face to keep an eye on did, did this year for sure is Greg Gaines, um, true freshman, and Jalen Noel. If he, I mean, Jalen Noel played last year, so I'm not, you know, he's he's probably more of a breakout candidate than a new face type of thing. Um, right. But Iowa State's got more receivers, and the big the big kicker here. And why I think Iowa State can be can and probably and I hope will be a more vertical passing team is Hunter Deckers, Brock Purdy, accurate dude can make, can make you know can make ninety nine percent of throws. Doesn't he has a, a fine arm, but not not a big time arm or anything right. like that. Like Purdy, I would say he can make a lot of throws within the twenty to twenty five yard range. I mean, he's got he's got a he's got. A, well, he's, you he's go got past a big there, and the accuracy I think takes a, a quite a big dip once you get past the twenty-five. Like, not saying he can't make the throws, but they're definitely nowhere near as nicely placed or like you know in stride as as a lot of the deep threat quarterbacks would be. Yeah, and part of it is that he did like the way the scheme was set up is he didn't get a lot of chances where he could just sit back, take a nice step into it, and just gun it downfield. That's like, true. Like half the time when he was throwing deep, it was on the run and he's just chucking it. So it's a little. I don't know if we got. A, I don't know if we got a full. Perfect it's, picture it's of what his arm actually can yeah, do. Yeah, it's it's the whole chicken egg scenario. Like, was, right, yeah. was he was um, he bad I, because or was he not as good put, put deep it, throws this because way. his of arm the, his yeah. his arm is good enough to be in the NFL. It, yeah, it's not it's not more than that. It's good enough to be in the NFL, um, and to apparently be probably the backup. Um, yeah, that's, per, that's I found awesome. that very very interesting. That's, but, that's yeah. awesome, um, especially if Trey Lance doesn't work out. That'd be. Yeah, Brock exactly. Purdy might be your starter. Oh, that'd be crazy. Uh, that'd be that'd be awesome. That'd be so cool for him. But anyways, um, Hunter Deckers does have a big time arm. He's a better he's a better raw athlete than Brock is. He's bigger, taller, faster, stronger type of thing. Um, bigger arm. The question will be accuracy. Um, as 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 big arm as the question always is with big arm quarterbacks. How are how accurate are they? Um, and that will remain to be seen. We the early returns on Hunter Deckers are generally pretty good. Um, his first pass he ever threw was actually against Kansas down in yes, Lawrence. Yes, I know. I was <laughs> to Joe Skates, and it was one of the prettiest throws I've ever seen. It was incredible. Um, and I think he's got a chance to be really good. He played. He played when when he did play last year. He was up and down. Uh, he played at like two hundred and sixty pounds last year. Apparently, um, he is now down to like two twenty. Yeah, um, that's a, that's big. He played big. It sounds like it sounds like it was kind of a freshman eating like crap type of scenario. Yeah, it's um, not it sounds like he's got it sounds like he's got that under in order though. Looks looks good. Lost a bunch of weight. Should be much more mobile. Um, if he's got if he's got the 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 head on his shoulders that Brock did as far as from a leadership standpoint and staying cool under pressure and things like that, um, he, I think he's going to be a really good quarterback. He's probably got a he's got a higher ceiling than Brett than Brock did if he gets it all if he gets it figured out. 
Um, but he does have that big time arm and which will allow them to push the ball down the field. Yeah, I, I think it changes the way that they try to do things. Um, yes. it's, it's definitely going to take some getting used to, I think, for a lot of the players on the roster. Especially because he's a left-handed quarterback. So it's going to be oh, a gosh, yeah, yeah. So so that messes a lot with offensive line. And that's the one position we haven't really talked about too much. Like, trying to protect for a left-handed quarterback is a lot different than trying to protect for a right You know what was for, funny, though? In right-handed. spring practice, of the four quarterbacks that take – that, or no, like, of the five quarterbacks that took snaps at, in spring practice, three of them were left-handed. Oh gosh. So they probably have a lot of experience with it now then. So um, they've been practicing. Now one of them did transfer out, but um, fair. Cause he, cause, cause I would say it's 2020 recruiting class. The Hunter Deckers came in uh, or the 2019 class that he came in all was him and Aiden Bowman. Both were left-handed. So I would <laughs> say he had two left-handed quarterbacks in the same recruiting class. So it was kind of funny, um, but he is left-handed. So that's kind of, it'll be an interesting thing to adjust to, but from like, it seems like for every aside from kind of having to rescheme the offensive line a little bit to you know because your blind side's on the right side now instead of the left type of thing. Aside from that type of thing, like it's not really any different for like re- the receivers or anything like that. I know there there was like a myth for a long time that because the ball spun the other direction, it threw receivers off and stuff like that. But from everything that I've heard, it's not an issue. Yeah. Okay. So, but, but talk about the offensive line. Cause you know, yeah. I'm not sure how much turnover there's actually been on the line from last year. Not really sure. Like what all of that looks like. Um, I mean, are there a lot of differences in terms of personnel or do the other change on the offense you know, introduce some potential changes that could be an issue? Like what are we looking at in terms of the offensive line being ready to go at the beginning of the season and having to make, or, or having to make big adjustments? Yeah. So there'll be some new, say there'll be some new faces. Uh, kind of the big one that is um, the big one, like the big, there's two big uh, losses there, I would say. Um, well, kind of three, but m- mainly two. Um, Colin Newell was a start, was a starting center for a long time. At the beginning of the season, like the two best centers in college football were in the state of Iowa. It was Tyler Linderbaum and then Colin Newell. Problem is Colin Newell uh, dealt with injuries all year to the point where he actually just retired from football entirely uh, at the end of last season. He could have taken a COVID year, tried to go to the NFL and he just, called it quits. Didn't even, didn't even pursue football any further at all. Um, Derek Schweiger was a guy that um, was a walk on and ended up being a, a very good, uh, very good lineman for Iowa state for a few years. Um, he has moved on to the NFL. He was in a camp. I'm not sure if he's still on a roster at all or not, but um, Sean Foster was another one that he was kind of a guy. He was inconsistent. He got better as a senior, um, but is inconsistent for most of his career. Um, but there's, there's good pieces on the line and, Kind of the the big the big returnee is Trevor Downing. Uh, he was first team All Big Twelve last year. It was just it was just uh, you know as of today when we're recording this was not was put on the first team All Big Twelve preseason team. Um, he's good lineman. Very he's very very good lineman. Um, has been pretty dependable guy. Um, as has been the the story under the, in the Matt Campbell area. We need to see that. We need to see the line play take a step forward because his his t- style of play can be done without like an excellent offensive line. Like the the scheme can be executed with a, a a a fine offensive line, and they've had the playmakers to make up for that, um, like Brees Hall and Dave Montgomery and stuff like that, and the tight ends being able to help block. Um, but I mean, it seems very obvious to me that if I was State River have a genuinely great offensive line, that would be a huge huge bonus for everybody involved um, part of, you know, part of being able to throw deep and to take advantage of Hunter Decker's arm strength is you got to be able to keep them upright for a little bit longer to let the receivers get down for field a little bit further. And that means the offensive line being better in pass protection because um, giving a, you know, giving the quarterback one, you know, a second and a half to throw a, to throw an RPO is a lot different task than trying to give him three seconds so that he can throw it downfield to a receiver. That's 35, 40 yards downfield. Um, different tasks. They need to get better. Um, Cause I also, you know, the running backs are talented, but are they able to create something out of nothing the same way Brees Hall and Dave Montgomery were able to, I don't know. We'll find out. I hope not. I hope they are, but I don't know. Um, I mean, honestly, you would hope that they don't have to go like, that's really you're right. The, Ideally, yeah, yeah, you don't like, want them to, you don't, you don't want them to have to. Now that, I, does, that I, does seem I do to be wonder, I will. I do wonder how much that Matt Campbell recruits like, cause I mean like Kareem Hunt was that way. Dave yeah. Montgomery was that way. Brees Hall was that way. I mean, that seems like a, that's a trait that they recruit is, is ingenuity a little bit, if you want to call it that. 
being able to create something out of nothing. But I would, you don't want them to have to do that. Yeah, well, I, I also wonder, too, how much – because I don't think most people have thought about the the Iowa State offensive line being an issue, right, the last five, six years. But I think a lot of that has to do with how good – the quarterbacks and the running backs right. were they, they were able, out to, of they bad were able to hide that a lot. Yeah, and when you exactly. have tight ends, when you have really good blocking tight ends that can supplement an offensive line, the problems aren't quite so obvious. Um, that's going to be there'll be more spotlight on the offensive line this year because if Iowa State has a good offensive line this year, a genuinely good offensive line that unlocks a lot of things, and then Iowa State's ceiling goes way up with a, with a good offensive line. Yeah, because there's plenty of skill talent, there's plenty of speed. Um, and the quarterback situation, and Hunter Deckers is an extremely promising quarterback. If the offensive line is good, Iowa State's ceiling goes up quite a bit. Um, yeah, for sure. All right. If Iowa State, if Iowa State has like a, a top two, three offensive line in the, in the conference, they're probably pushing for a, for the conference championship game. I genuinely believe that. Assuming, yeah. assuming the defense is in order, right? Obviously. Right, of course. And and obviously there's a lot to talk about still with the defense. Um, sure. I fully expected coming into this one that this was going to go pretty long. So I do need to throw into <laughs> a quick break. We will talk about the defense, special teams, and then kind of go through the schedule a little bit um, after the break. But we will be right back on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Welcome to Between Two Bears, the newest 1012 Network podcast. Uh, this is Matt is Bear. I'm going to introduce my co-host, Evan Abair, uh, to give you a quick idea of what the show is about. Yeah, Between Two Bears is going to be a it's going to be a great sorry Between Two Bears is going to be a great look at the silly and sometimes stupid. Between Two Bears is going to be a great look at the silly and sometimes stupid side of Baylor sports. Hey, I'm going to try one more time. Big tween two. Okay. Uh, Evan, Evan's going to go take a nap. Um, but we are excited to join the 1012 network along with the rest of their already great lineup of big 12 podcasts. Check them out at 1012 network on Twitter and us as well at Matt is bear and at Evan. Hey bear, uh, sick bears. And we are back. I'm here with Levi Stevenson, managing editor over at Wide Right Natty Light. Levi, we just got done talking about the offense, which means, you know, defense is the next thing to talk about. And defense has been the calling card for this Iowa State team for quite a long time. But as you mentioned in the opening, they had a lot of turnover of a lot of the names that most fans that, you know, don't follow Iowa State are going to be familiar with. So looking at the defense, who were the biggest losses for this defense and who do they have to kind of step up into those holes? I think the biggest ones are are obviously Mike Rose and Jake Hummel, uh, Greg Eisworth, um, and those three are the biggest ones. Ashim Young is another is another loss um, from that secondary. Um, probably not as big a loss as maybe other people. A lot of people think he was. He was a good player at Iowa State, um, but a lot of people don't realize he was actually starting to lose snaps to Bo Freeler towards the end of the season, and Bo Freeler played more than him against Clemson. Um, so. But but Mike Rose, Jake Hummel, Eniwazirike, Greg Eisworth, those would be your big losses there for sure. Um, and they, those guys were the centerpiece of the defense for basically four years. Um, those are those are tough losses at times. Um, but the nice thing is Iowa State's got a lot of depth at those positions. Um, safety is one that Iowa State's always recruited well. They've got lots of good players at the safety position, um, and that'll be one that's they, and they safety safeties have always played well under Matt Campbell and Jan, and John Haycock. Um, so that's not really too much of a concern. Iowa State managed to find via the transfer portal a, a basically a Mike Rose clone. His name is Colby Reader. He's from De- from Delaware, and that dude, if you if you watch him on tape, he's a, indistinguishable from Mike Rose. Um, like if he put if he puts on a twenty jersey and puts Rose on in the back there, you wouldn't even know it wasn't him. Um, and yeah, to be honest, it's it's completely not fair. But you know, it is <laughs> it is college football we're talking about, which is inherently not fair. So. That's true, um, but you know what? I'm okay with getting Micro's clones for a while. We were uh, we were uh, we had a little a small, a small run there of Alan Lazard clones, and now we're at Micro's clones. Um, so, um, feel very good about the linebackers. Uh, like I said, Colby Reader 
Orion Vance is back. He's a middle linebacker that's played played for a long time for Iowa State and came back for his COVID season. Um, and then uh, probably Jerry Vaughn on the other side. Um, or Gary, I don't know. It spells it G-E-R-R-Y. I've never, I've never been able to parse out which one it is. I think I've heard it pronounced both ways. It's, it's definitely been pronounced both ways. I think it's Jerry Vaughn. Um, but anyways, so, you know, those three guys, and there's, there's always a good, uh, good depth at that position for Iowa State. Um, and defensive line, replacing any Wazirike is tough because he was a guy, he's 6'6, 320, or 6'7, I think maybe 320, played nose tackle, played defensive end, played all over that defensive line for Iowa State. Um, took a lot of pressure off of Will McDonald, where Will McDonald could be more of a free rusher there, which is where he's really good. Um, that'll be tougher to replace. Uh, the guy behind him, Isaiah Lee, um, good player, has been in Iowa State for quite a while. Um, I think he's plenty capable of stepping up, but up in there, I don't know if he's as, he's not as versatile as any Wazirike. Like I don't think they're going to move Isaiah Lee out to an end spot or anything. Um, but I think it's a, it's a position that they've recruited really well. Uh, there's good depth there. It's a little bit unproven depth, but there's good, there's depth there from just kind of a talent perspective. Um, but those, you know, it, it's new faces on a defense and this will be a good challenge for, for John Haycock. We'll see how good of a defensive coordinator he is. We think yeah. he's pretty damn, we think he's pretty damn good, but yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's also kind of one of those things though, where like, I think the strength of the Iowa State defense for the longest time has been the linebackers. Um, I am very curious to see how well that unit is able to kind of keep up moving forward because, you know, they did lose quite a bit. And like you said, you know, they they brought in new guys, but, you know, I think most fans and most teams are have run into that before where you think everything is, you know, you, you've brought in guys that can kind of do the oh, same yeah. system, but there's completely different considerations to, to kind of worry about. Um, I am definitely curious to see how they're able to bring it all together. But if you're looking at this defense and looking at what the – the the weaknesses of this defense are like you know the the things that have you concerned about how opponents might try to attack this defense what are the biggest things that jump out to you right now that Iowa State has to kind of figure out before the season gets started the the concern this year is the same as it was the last few years and that's that corner um Anthony Johnson moved back to safety um Anthony Johnson has been a mainstay on the first team all big 12 team at corner for last four years or even if not first team but as an all big 12 corner for his entire career basically it's a very good corner move back to safety uh, partially to help with Iowa State's safe, uh, safety position back there with you know losing a few starters back there um, but also it well part of it and part of it too is he he probably he projects as an NFL safety he probably doesn't project as an NFL corner um, so that's another part for him um, but also another part of this too is that Iowa State's got some good young corners um, Miles Purchase played a bunch last year uh, corner and actually played a ton of snaps against Clemson last year. And TJ Tampa is a guy that's had his name has been kind of buzzing around for a long time because he's a tremendous athlete. Um, he has he struggled a little bit at times, but he's also been made. You know, sometimes you really see that athleticism pop. Um, and I would say it's got a lot of youth at the corner, but I think there's a lot of promise there too. Uh, one guy that has apparently really shot up the depth chart uh, is Darian Porter who was previously a receiver but converted this past offseason to corner. Um, the notable there is he is the I, – at least what he was um, when he left high school. I don't know if he still is or not. But he was the Iowa, the Iowa high school 200-meter record holder, and he's also 6'4". Um, if you have a 6'4 corner with 200 with, – with track speed and, and jumping ability, and if he, if he has the, the mental game down and his skill set is good – that's a really high, high ceiling cornerback prospect right there. Um, I don't know if he'll start right away. I don't think he'll start right away. I think Miles Purchase and TJ Tampa will probably be your two starters right away because um, those two are the guys that have played the most snaps. They've shown the most promise going forward. Um, I think they have a tremendous opportunity on their hands. Um, I would say the system generally does a pretty good job of cover of helping of helping corners. Um, and you know if if they're not quite as good as they need to be, that you have a system there that's designed to help them and, and cover up. Uh, bad, you know, bad assignments and stuff like that. Um, but if TJ Tampa and Miles Purchase can can take a huge step forward and be genuinely good corners on, uh, on each side of the field, that's a huge, huge advantage where you don't have to dedicate a safety to helping them. Um, and, and that puts more got more bodies in the middle of the field that allows Iowa State to be more aggressive uh, for interceptions, which has been kind of a I don't know about complaint, but it's just a, a trait of the defenses that as as lockdown as they are, they don't force like a ton of turnovers. Um, they for they they're they're probably they're very kind of average at forcing turnovers, but you would expect a defense as good as they are to be better at forcing turnovers. Um, and 
if you have really good corners and you can dedicate more safeties to the middle of the field, that's a great way to get corners uh, or a great way to get turnovers and get more interceptions and get more knockouts, you know, on, on uh, slant routes and things like that. Um, I think that's a huge, that's a huge question mark, but it's a huge uh, point of opportunity for obviously to really take a big step forward on the defense that they haven't been able to, because they've always had one cornerback position pretty much locked down with Anthony Johnson. Um, But the other one has always been pretty sketchy with, Tavon Kyle or which Tavon Kyle is an excellent, he's an excellent human being. He's a good player. Um, just got to be more consistent. And, but in Detron young was um, very, very inconsistent is probably the, is the word I'll, I'll use. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, so they, it's been inconsistent over there, especially at the second corner spot. But if you can have, if you can have two consistent performers at the corner spots, that uh, that opens up a lot for the Iowa State defense. Well, it's it's one of those things you talk about having two consistent for the starters, but you know, more and more with the way spread offenses have gone and kind yeah, of you need more guys, to, right? You need to have multiple guys because you can't keep the same two on the field the entire game. Um, you know, that's that's where a lot of defenses have problems. Where you know, fans will look at the top two guys. Or even the top three guys and say, "Oh man, yeah, like those are fantastic corners. Right. They're set." And most of the big plays come when the backups have to come in for a few snaps. Um, you right. know, and, yep. and teams know who to pick on and how to pick on them in a lot of cases. So it's it's difficult. I think everybody has had issues with defensive backs and trying to figure out. You know, like Kansas, that that's what they targeted after the spring preview, right, was going through and getting a whole bunch of defensive secondary players, safeties and corners and people that could play both because it was such a huge issue last year. It's been a big issue for quite a while, and that's where most of the breakdowns happen for a lot of Big 12 defenses is those corners aren't able to stay in front of guys as you get late into games, which is also why most you know Big 12 games start out with not necessarily scoring so much up front, and then you get to the end of the game and all of a sudden explodes because guys are tired and you know things are finally at a point where it's helping those de- you know, or those offenses get behind guys because they just don't have the depth that they need. So yeah, and like I said, I, the the top end starters are high ceiling high ceiling guys that need that need snaps, and the backups right now there's a lot of talent there, but it's a very young that that the the cornerback room especially is very young. Um, lots and lots of freshmen and sophomores and things like that. Um, but lots of talent. there. very encouraged by that, but they need to, they'll, they, the, the starters need to be able to play well up front um, and need to be able to play lots of snaps, at least right away. And, and they, they need snaps anyways, um, but they'll need time to let the, the backups, which will probably at least be, a, at least be a freshman or two, definitely underclassmen. Um, they'll need to be able to get up to speed and go. You know, generally speaking, I don't usually have a ton of concern about the backups with just with Iowa State in general because for the most part the the two or three deep at every position is generally very well prepared. Matt Campbell does an excellent job of making sure that his backups are ready to play, um, which is why like when you see like generally speaking one issue one one position that they have sneakily been very very solid out for the most part under Matt Campbell is quarterback, um, and for whatever reason whenever 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 a quarterback goes down the backups usually pretty solid. Um, for whatever reason, that's just one position they've got a pretty good handle on. And but they've they've done it at most of them, you know at most of the positions too. Where if one guy goes down, a, a bench player can come in. They've usually been fairly successful. So like the there's never really been a con, there's never really a concern of is the is the is the backup going to be ready to get snaps? They they they're always ready. It's a matter of how experienced are they to be able to learn on the fly. Um, on the field, which is where, you know, a lot of your big time learning, that's where the experience comes in is getting snaps on the field and being able to see live reps and things like that. Um, how quickly are they going to be able to pick that up? That's, that's the key there with young guys. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, it's definitely true that experience is key and getting as much experience as possible. The other thing, and, and, you know, the, the thing that, that has plenty of experience and is absolutely fantastic. We don't have to worry about that is sponsor here on the podcast, Homefield Apparel. Homefield Apparel has the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel anywhere. They have t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies, joggers, all kinds of great stuff. More than 125 different schools right now. Uh, they are continuing to add new. They're right in smack dab in the middle of big new Saturday season four. Actually, the one this weekend is fellow Big 12 opponent, Oklahoma. I am looking forward to that collection. Look, as much as we all don't like the Sooners in terms of on the field, they have some pretty awesome designs. I've, I've gotten a sneak peek at a few of them. It is absolutely fantastic. Of course, they have an Iowa State line that is absolutely 
um, complete, like, uh, I have stuff from the Iowa State line, and I'm not an Iowa State fan. Like, it's that good. Kansas, they have fantastic stuff there as well. And if you go over to homefieldapparel.com, I can guarantee that you are going to find things from at least six or seven different schools that you absolutely want to add to your collection. If you use promo code CHALK12, you can get 15% off your entire first order. All orders over $100 have free shipping. Um, so, again, head on over to homefieldapparel.com. Spend some time looking over all the great stuff that they have there. I guarantee you're going to find a whole bunch and use that promo code CHOCK12 to get 15% off that entire first order. All right, Levi. So now just a couple things left really to kind of talk about. And, of course, that could take us half an hour to talk about. But special teams, um, Iowa State has had some up and downs, I think is the nicest way to put it, with special teams. Um, are there any positions this year for special teams that you think either are significantly better than last season or that you're still really worried about coming into this year. All right. So quick special teams rundown. One, Iowa state has a special teams analyst. Um, ideally, you know, it's a coach, but it's not a coach. You know, whatever. Anyways, uh, kicker. No idea. There's somebody, there's a, there's a bunch of guys that I think they can do it. And there's one that like in the spring practice that stood out to me that I thought definitely looked like uh, the best kicker there. Uh, tells his name, Tyler Bittman. That he was one that I thought stayed. I thought he looked the best. He's got a big leg. Um, I have no idea who the kicker is going to be. Um, Iowa State did pick up a five-star punter. Um, feel pretty good about that, Tyler Perkins. Um, he was the number two punter on Cole's kicking camps. Um, which is for anybody that doesn't know, Cole Cole's kicking is pretty much the best, like the most the respected stores yeah. for their their and funny enough. The uh the Cole K O H L is Jamie Cole, who was the Iowa State, who was Iowa State's kicker for a while. Um, he's an Iowa State alum, and his son JJ is Iowa State's four star quarterback for next class, for next year's recruiting class. So nice, um, yeah. But anyway, so five star punter coming in, no worries there. He's a good player. Iowa State has a history of bringing in true freshman punters and them playing well. So, um, Colin Downing was it was a guy for a long that punted straight out of. Whitefish Bay, Wisconsin for four years, and he was very good. Kirby Vanderkamp before that. Um, and, uh, yeah, so no worries there. I would guess I'm, I would project the returners at probably a kick and punt. I would guess it's going to be Jalen Knoll. Um, he's a really electric athlete, big time guy, good speed, really agile. Um, I would, I would expect him to be the guy. Um, last year was kind of a hit or miss. They basically just, gave up on returning for the most part. Like if you went back there and yeah. caught it, that was your job or whatever. Kick return has been less exciting since can Kennedy Wongu left. Um, I'm hoping, J- I'm hoping uh, Jalen can, uh, can re- return that excitement. Also shout out Kennedy Wongu for carving out a, a, a role in the NFL and returning two kicks for touchdowns for the, for the Vikings last year. It's awesome. Yeah. Talk Fantastic. about talk about random people making appearances, right? <laughs> well, and, and it's for him too. Like he, he was like coming out of high school, he was like he's got blazing speed or whatever, and then he he tore his Achilles his like his sophomore year. Ooh. Something like tore his Achilles, came back, had the senior season he did, and now he's returning kicks in the NFL and looks faster than ever. I mean that's fantastic, crazy. fantastic story. All right. So I mean, I, I think that the general sense I'm getting is that special teams is really not that much different from the last few years where you, well, the, you the, the difference is that, is that last like, year punting was janky. Oh, that's true. That, that's true. Punting was janky, but Andrew Mevis was a, an all-star. Andrew Mevis was amazing last year. Don't have a good kick. You know, kick kicking might be kind of janky, but now punting should be good. So, yeah. You know. All right. So who knows? So <laughs> let's go ahead and jump into kind of the schedule a little bit. I, I don't necessarily want to go week by week, but yeah. Um, you know, big, big games that you're looking at here. Obviously the game against Iowa is always a huge one. Is this the year that Iowa state finally gets that win over Iowa? If I was a betting man right now, I would say no, because just cause of all, there's a lot of turnover with Iowa state, lots of new players that will be playing in Kinnick for the first time. Um, Kinnick's a tough place to play. I don't, I think it's a dumb stadium. I've been in that. I don't like the stadium, but it's, there's a lot of people that go there and it's loud. It's a tough place to play. Um, and Iowa's got what should be a pretty good defense. Um, they've got, I mean, I was off, it's Iowa's offense, so it's fucking hot, hot garbage. But, um, for whatever reason, Iowa State just seems to find a way to shit their pants against Iowa. <laughs> we'll figure it out. Yeah. Like, you know, that's what, my you know what, you know what's funny though? Is because, <laughs> it, is because it wouldn't make any sense for them to win this year. They probably will. Yeah. But, like, but that's, 
that's Cyhawk for you, baby. Uh, so right now I'll say probably not, um, but we'll see. Which means that we're probably looking at a you know two and one record going into conference play, opening conference play against Baylor at home, and then on the road at Kansas before uh, you know coming back home to play Kansas State. That's an interesting, I think, opening three for the Big Twelve Conference. Obviously, you have the the Big Twelve Conference champ from last year who is still supposed to be pretty good. And then you're going, you know, playing the both Kansas schools that are a lot different and I think a little bit kind of intriguing, especially early in the season. So which ones of those, like, are, are you worried about those games or is it just, you know, normal Big 12 is tough, especially early in the year? I think Baylor, I think Baylor is a good, I think I was taking, I think I was taking to win that game. Um, I think it, Baylor's, Baylor's good. They've got some good players and stuff like that, but they lost a lot after last year too. Yeah, they um, did. They've got they've they've got some huge losses on that team. Um, and and Dave Aranda's recruited well there, so I have no doubt that they have guys somewhere on that depth chart that'll be good at some point. Um, that's a pretty early in the season. That's our first game. It's up in Ames, um, stuff like that. That's I think that's a game that Iowa State can win. I don't know if they'll be favored or not. That'll depend on how the beginning of the season goes. But, yeah, I, I think uh, especially the teams that lost a bunch, like the if you you want to try to catch those teams early. Because right. there's going right. to be it's going to be a lot harder for them to really kind of hit what they need. Like, you know, I'm looking at a team like Texas Tech. Like, I think if you face Texas Tech early in the season, that's a good thing because it takes oh, a while for them to get everything put together. But facing them at the the very end of the year, like that's could a be, problem. Could be different. Yeah. Well, it's just like a, just like Iowa State. You want to play yeah. Iowa State early in the yeah, season. Exactly. By the time by the time October and November comes around, they've got it figured out. But September's a shit show. Shit well, there show is sometimes. no Brocktober this year, so hopefully. No, but there is Decktember. <laughs> Decktember. Oh my gosh, I had not. December. I had, yeah. Well, that one would make more sense, but that also like you don't have any regular season games in December. Um, so no, just on, the Big Twelve Championships. So. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, they they got to get there first. Uh, but anyways, so uh, I think they can beat Baylor. I think that'll be a tough game, but I think they can beat Baylor there. Kansas. I mean, I. I would assume we'll be favored going into that, but like, yeah, yeah, they really should be like Kansas. I mean, Kansas is my, I mean, I would, but I would be pretty disappointed if I was, say was in a position where we were not favored against Kansas. I mean, that's not a dig at Kansas. I'm just like, that's right. Well, I the mean, state of the programs. It's also one of those things too, though. Like if, if Iowa state loses, you know, at Iowa and then loses against Baylor and, you know, Kansas, if they're two and two, and Kansas is undefeated or something like that, then... or, or even or even potentially three and one. Like if they pull off the upset against Houston, right, and then lose a, a close game against Duke or something like that, I could envision a scenario where you know Kansas yeah, it is would, a it lot would depend closer on how those two losses. Like, if right. they got destroyed by Iowa or something, then it, yeah. it, it would it would depend on what the losses look like. But anyway, but but right, um, if, if if I think, I think Kansas not... is going to be better, I I still think Iowa State will win that game, but I think Kansas will be better. Like they would be Kansas is my dark horse, like made to win five games or something like that. Yeah, look, I'm already on record as saying that Kansas is going to go 7-6 and six this year. Um, you know, look. That's I, pretty – I mean, so you're assuming uh, they win a bowl game. Correct, yes. Okay, yeah. okay. No, yeah, so they're, they're not going 7-5 those... and five in the regular season. No, no, no. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I went through and it's like I could make an argument that they might be able to, but they have to get every single game that I think is a toss-up. And they have to get a, they get a balance, get all the toss-up games and all right. that. Yeah. So, like, yeah, but, so... But, but it is one of those things like, you know, Philip was asking for – Bold predictions over on the ten twelve at the very beginning of the year, and that was my that was one of the three that I gave was look. I mean, Kansas I don't think go, I don't think you're like out of bounds. Right, like right. I think I think that's perfectly in the range of a bold prediction. I am I am fully aware that there is a very good chance that I will not hit on that bold prediction, but I did get the, te- the Kansas. <laughs> I, over said, Texas I would one. take the under on six on seven six, yes. but but not so far. I, I I genuinely do think Kansas can get to five wins and and in and you know be really close to a bowl game if not if not getting into a bowl I think they're not that far off, off yeah that. I think it's how that final stretch comes out but you know th- this is going to be a lot earlier in the year I think it's going to take a while for Kansas to get their legs under them it'll be interesting to see how well Iowa State gets their legs under them right I the, the nice thing with Iowa State be... is that is the 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 point of concern for Iowa State is how quickly is the offense going to get up to speed with a new right. quarterback the defense is going to be there they may, I mean, you know, at, at that point in the season, are they all world level like they have been at the times? I don't know. They may not be there yet, but they'll they'll at least be solid enough where they'll keep every they'll keep them in every game that they play in, type of thing. Just like just kind of like they always have. So that's that's a good thing for a for a, a team that's going through transition. Is you know you know the defense is going to be at least solid, right? Um, so that's that's encouraging, and that's that's what you want in road games too. Is you want to make sure your defense is on point or whatever, because sometimes offense fluctuates on the road. Um, so, so to kind of jump through the rest of the schedule, which of the, of the big 12 games do you think are kind of at, at this point you would pencil in as wins for Iowa state and which ones are you worried about? 
So pencil in. So pencil in as wins. I hate to say. I probably gonna put Kansas there for right yeah, now. Understandable. Uh, West Virginia, Texas Tech, and TCU. That's fair. I, and I mean, again, that, those are the group that the I only think one, that, like, the Kansas only one has a good right opportunity now, to, to win those games as well against those opponents. The Just only kind of, one right now that I'm penciling in as a loss is Oklahoma State. Um, I think they can. I think they can beat Oklahoma. I mean, there isn't a team on the schedule they can't beat, but there is. Right. But it's it's in Stillwater, and that's a place that's tough to play. Um, Iowa State has a history of going in and winning games with new quarterbacks in, in Stillwater, yeah, but that's weird. Uh, um, but in, in in Oklahoma State, Iowa State has been the most competitive series in the conference for the last five, ten years, or something like that. I mean, they play ridiculously close and exciting games. It's, I would predict it'll be just like that again. Um, but that's a, that's a tough that's a tough environment. Um, and well, no, that's November twelfth, so it's late in the season, so that gives Iowa right. State chance to. That's usually when Iowa State's hitting their sweet spot. You know, hit, that's really really hitting their stride. So we might feel I might feel differently that you know when that comes around, and it depends on what Oklahoma State looks like too. Um, right now, that's the only one I'm like penciling in as a loss. I think Oklahoma. I think Oklahoma at home uh, is a good opportunity. I think they can pick them off. Um, that'll be the first time Dylan Gabriel is facing Iowa State's defense, um, which I think there's there's two quarterbacks in the three quarterbacks on this list. I think John Haycock is going to eat for lunch, and they're all right in a row. I think I think Adrian Martinez is going to have a bad time against against John yeah. Haycock. I think he's a tremendously overrated player. He's maybe one of the most overrated players in America. And I, I get plenty of uh flack from K State fans for saying that I don't think that Adrian Martinez is gonna I'm gonna have swear a good on your podcast, yet. right? Not really swear, but Kansas State fans can lick my nuts. I don't even care. <laughs> like they like the Adrian Martinez is not a good quarterback and and he's gonna have to play against John Haycock and he's gonna have a bad time. Um that's why I think that Kansas State I'm not penciling it in necessarily because it's still early in the conference season for Iowa State, but that's a game I think Iowa State can and will be favored to win at that point. Texas, Especially since I mean, it's, at home. it's 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 on the road in Austin, so that's I'm still not penciling in as a loss because I am not a buyer on the Longhorns. I, I yeah, I know that I know the Texas fans are all in on like, man, we got such good receivers. Like, you also got a brand new quarterback and no offensive line. That's a huge problem. That's a massive problem. Especially a in a conference that has of, tons of good defenses. Well, not only that, but also a history of amassing a whole bunch of talent and doing nothing with it. Right, exactly. I mean, and, and they're also Texas. That's a meme. That for like they're underperforming is a meme because they do it so much. So Texas is going to have to prove to me that they're worth the shit, you know, before I believe it. So I'm not, I'm not, it's, I'm not penciling it as a win. I'm not penciling it as a loss. It's probably one of those coin flip games. But I think Iowa State can win. Can can come out of that with a win. So right now, the only one I would predict as a loss right now is Oklahoma State. All right, I'm so not, I'm not I'm not saying Iowa State's going eleven and one. Oh right, right. But, so but so those, that's the only one that I'm leads directly into the final question of if you had to pick it right now, what would you say Iowa State's final record is at the end of the season? So Iowa State's got a pretty pretty big range actually, which it, maybe not quite as big as like Texas, where they could end up at four and eight or. 11 and one, you know, they, you know, it's not quite that big, but it's like, I think I, I would be really surprised. There's something would have to go wrong for Iowa State to miss a bowl game. I think something, so I think the, the floor is high enough with that defense. That I think it'd be something would have to go wrong for them to miss a bowl game. Um, the floor is probably six and six for me. Um, the ceiling is, like I said, the only team I, that like, there isn't a team on the schedule and if if they get all the bounces and they get some really good stuff, I mean, like ten and two or eleven and one isn't impossible. I would say that's very, that's far less likely than going six and six. I think they'll be toward, like of their of their possible range, like you know, of things going wrong or things going really well. They're probably going to be middle or below middle on that range, just because there's so many new faces and they'll probably struggle early on. So like, let's say they're starting, they start two and one, they beat. Beat uh, Baylor and Kansas, lose to Kansas State. That gets you to four and two, five and two, and then you got to win two more out of the rest of the schedule. I think TCU is going to take a step back. I don't. I'm not. I'm not a believer in TCU this year. Texas Tech. They kind of got us on a fluke last year. It was that that ridiculous oh, gosh, field goal. Yes. I, there's no way they can replicate that in Ames. No, no I, I mean I would not be. Shocked. I mean you're talking. I mean we're talking. We're talking late November in Ames and Texas Tech's up there. They're not. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I would. I wouldn't be shocked to see Iowa State being you know five and three or six and two going into the final three weeks of the season. 
Um, and then, and then from there, so like eight and four is probably my expectation for Iowa State. I, I, I would, I would say if I, if I was putting a bet down on a record, I would put it at seven and five, but eight and four is ab- There's absolutely a very good justification for eight and four. And I think there's still even a pretty reasonable justification for nine and three. Yeah. But it, but the nine and three is going to depend on is Hunter Deckers. Does he look as good as we think he's going to be? And is the offensive line in good shape? Yeah. I, I think it really comes down to how good the offensive line is. Um, or if they start to struggle, how well can Deckers and whoever ends up being the main running back get out of those problems like we've right. seen Iowa State do? So, Yep. All right. So I think that's going to wrap it up. We've kind of covered everything. Before you get out of here, is there is there anything else about Iowa State that you think fans who are not Iowa State fans need to know going into the year? I would say, you know, yes and no. I mean, like, not really, because it's just kind of we're just going to another football season. It's college football; things change. You know, the only constant in college football is change, and you know, so that's kind of part of the game. But I would say don't don't sleep on Iowa State just because you lo- they lost a lot of the names that you knew or whatever. There's a lot of young names, but this is going to be this is going to be kind of a good uh, a measuring stick for where the program is now. It's not like any sort of it's not any sort of prove it season for Matt Campbell or anything like that. It's more just like. Let's see where we're at, you know, because there's lots and lots of new. This is where we're going to really see the fruits of the rec- of the improved recruiting. Are they recruiting as well as we think they are? Is the is the is the coaching staff in a good spot where we feel good about all the assistance and all the play calling and things like that? It's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting test to see if Iowa State is because it you know this would be a season where if it was um old Iowa state where it'd be, it's a rebuilding season. We got to just, we're going to try to crank out a bowl game and that's going to be fine. And we're going to go with it or whatever. And, but now I think we're going to find out for sure. Are we in a reloading era for Iowa state where you can reasonably expect a bowl game every year? And then, you know, so that way, even in years when you have lots of transition that you can still expect to at least make a bowl game, if not start pushing towards the top of the conference. And that's what we're going to find. You know, that I means I don't, you know, I don't think you can make a definitive answer or anything like that based on this year. Cause there's so many things that can go wrong. And there's so many, like, you know, there's, there's so many little tiny situations that can go one way or the other that can affect, that can have a huge effect on the other end. Um, as demonstrated by the 2019 season. Where well, I was right. I mean, where, look, where I was in Baylor were statistically identical teams, but Baylor got all the bounces and Iowa State got none of the bounces. And one was 10 and two and the other one was seven and five. Right. Right. Like there's, you can talk all you want about, talent level but there's so many other things that go into a good season than just being super talented so right that's exactly right you know the only other thing that i would i would recommend um you know don't don't sleep on how great the tailgating is up there like if you have the opportunity to go up to (laughs) iowa state and actually you know enjoy a tailgate just don't do it when it's your team that's going up there because let me tell you if if the game doesn't go well then it might ruin the entire experience for you as i <laughs> as i came to find out last year but i think you did it right though cuz i think you came up with the expectation oh, that it might I came not up go with the super. expectation that Kansas was going to get creamed and, and you know and like, that's and what well, happened, and like so. and like uh Jamie Plunkett came up last year for the TCU game and he like came up and he, he seemed like he, he seemed like he came with the expectation that TCU probably wasn't going to it wasn't going to go super well for TCU and it didn't and i yeah. think he still had a fun time though even even though it was a look it was wild. one of those i came up with the if kansas can score more than 10 points it will be a very successful day and of course they didn't score more than 10 points and i at least wasn't disappointed like with you know the the performances that kansas put up um it's actually kind of funny that iowa state game actually made one of the biggest moments of some of the people that cover the jayhawks you know talking about and it was more the reaction of you know lance leipold and you know, normally in the past, Kansas, you, you go in and you have those games and everyone talks about how horrible everything is and how you have to change things up and life holding stuff. There's, some, there's like, definitely, there's definitely, there was definitely signs of life there. And I oh was yeah. like, well, I mean, well, like, and, like, and like, I think, the, I mean, I think Lance Leopold might finally be the guy that gets, that gets Kansas back going well, again. And, I know they kind of tried to. Kind of the people, point but. that was made there was, you know, Leipold came out of the game. It's like, you know, talking about what are you going to do different? It's like nothing. Like we knew they were going to be big, you know, road, big speed bumps. There were going to be big problems. Like we have to kind of just work through them. And, and this was not unexpected. So it's, yeah, you don't have to overhaul every single right, thing yeah. because you had a bad day. Exactly. So, all right. Look but at it. Yeah. We are fast running out of time here. So I am just going to go ahead and <laughs> yeah, before we yeah. get off on another 20 minute tangent, uh, we're yeah. going to go ahead and cut it there. Uh, Levi, it's, it's always great to have you on. We always learn a lot about what's going on with Iowa state and it's always great to talk football with you. So for, for those that want to hear more about Iowa state or kind of follow what you're doing, where's the best place to find all your work online? Uh, just wide right. Natty lighter on Twitter. It's at wide RT Natty LT. I mean, that's kind of the thing. And 
I don't know. I've got about a thousand different side projects at this oh, point. Yeah. I just, it takes too long. It's, it's, I, and it's, it's fine. That's the one for, yeah, for, look, for, why right now Light has, has a great discord. I'm a moderator over there. Uh, it's a yeah, lot of fun. That, that would be the thing I should plug. Is exactly. The plug, the plug the discord. Yeah. There's a lot of, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of funny. We have found as more and more of the college realignment stuff has kind of thrown on here. It's funny because there's like three K you guys that have been hosting a lot of college realignment, Twitter spaces, um, you know, myself in, included in one of those, and it's been a whole lot of fun. And we've gotten people from all over the place. That Discord for uh, for for Wide Right Natty Light is one that has a ton of fans from all over the place, from all over the country as well. It's great to interact with all the people there, and it's one of the few places on the internet where you find reasonable people that can have discussions about really weird topics. That's one thing that has yeah. like that's one thing that has really impressed me about this disc about the Discord so far is that like is one. On it, it's been like extremely rare occasion where like someone's being kind of a shithead or something like that. It's 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 very rare or whatever. And I don't know, maybe we just have really good moderators or whatever. Yeah, I but, mean, there's a there's a I think there's a few things that go into it, but it's one of those things where it's yeah. hard to find those communities in the sports world. Right. And it's one of those that is worth checking out. Well, yeah, but we've also got like we've got gaming discussion and hobbies and cooking and lawn and garden and like all this stuff. And there's like vibrant discussion in all of them. Or something like yeah. that. And it's yeah, it's great. I, it's, I'm it's like, crazy. It's absolutely awesome. So if you have not checked it out, definitely go ahead and do that. And if you if you want to check it out, there's a, if you go to our our Twitter profile, wider account, or whatever, it's our pinned tweet on our on the profile. You can get, there's a link right to it. Um, you can probably even search for it on Google still though. So yep. it's yeah, well, and and of course, like I normally do with these episodes, I will have a link to to all that fun stuff there. So, but again, Levi, thank you so much for joining me, and thank you guys so much for listening. If you have not already, please do go out wherever you get your podcast, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any of the other million apps that are out there. Just search for Rock Chalk Podcast, so you can subscribe, get every episode as soon as it comes out. We really do bring the podcast to you guys to get you all the information you need in as entertaining a way as possible. So, if you ever have any comments, questions, suggestions, people you want to try to interview, anything like that. You can contact me by email at rockchalkpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at rockchalkpod. We are part of the 1012 Podcast Network covering all the teams in the Big 12 Conference. Um, you know, we have 10 shows right now. We're actually looking at adding a couple more, um, you know, teams that are also coming to the conference as well. So head on over on Twitter at TEN12Network. You can get links to all the great shows. And, of course, we actually now have a website, 1012network.com. That's TEN12network.com. We'll get you those links to all the great shows. So love all the stuff we're doing over there. We are on the Anchor platform. You can leave us a voicemail, get your voice on the show. It's been a while since someone did that. I really want to get someone else's comment. So head on over to anchor.fm slash rock dash chalk dash podcast slash message and I promise we'll get you on the show but that's going to do it make sure you visit our sponsor Homefield Apparel use that promo code save a bunch of money but thank you guys so much for listening Levi thank you so much for joining me we will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast Love the Big 12, then we have the show for you. The 10-12, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference. Forget the SEC, forget the Big 10, and forget national podcasts that only talk about Oklahoma and Texas. We talk about the Sooners and the Longhorns. We also talk about the Cyclones, the Cowboys, the Wildcats, the Mountaineers, the Jayhawks, the Red Raiders, the Horn Frogs, and the Bears. We love the whole Big 12, and we are available everywhere that podcasts are found. So go and find the 1012 podcast and subscribe today.